0: Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there.
1: I always like to say that we have two different people in us. We have the protected person, which is the person we bring to life and jobs who appears normal and can be trustworthy, but then we have the authentic person who we hide most of the time so your tendency normally would be to hide that from an audience because you don't want to appear weak or you don't want to appear strange in any way but the truth is is only when you let that character out do you have any chance of having the audience really get off on you and get to know who you are
0: Hot breath. what's goody hot breath the verse welcome back to hot breath the show where you learn comedy from the pros I'm your host, comedian Joel Byers, and today's guest is a part of our very special author series. The past few weeks, we've been interviewing the top comedy authors in the game, and this week is no exception. I actually had Hot Breath Pro member Bo Johnson take the lead on this interview. He's actually the one doing the interview, and we live-streamed it into our Hot Breath Pro group where members could ask questions in real time. So this is an exciting one as we're continuing to grow and expand here. Our mission is to empower and cultivate the next generation of great self-made comics. And part of that is giving you, the comedians, opportunities to try things. So Bo jumped in and is doing a one-on-one interview here with our guest today, and you're going to learn a lot. This is one of the most highly respected and rated comedy instructors in the game, so open your minds, grab a pen, and prepare yourselves as there is only one thing left to do, and that is inhale a hot breath with Steve North
2: Welcome, Steve. Um, So let's kind of get into this. Um, How long have you been in comedy?
1: Well, a long time ago, me and my partner, Barb, were a comedy team in the 80s and 90s. Uh, We did a lot of television and performed all over the world. Um, And somehow we got, then we did a lot of television work. We were actually one of the uh, producers of the Gong Show, believe it or not. Um, Not the original one in the 60s, but the one in the 80s. And we got used more and more to coach the hosts of shows, of TV shows. And that's how I started developing uh, this character thing uh, that basically my book and everything else uh, is based on the comedic character method or persona is a word that more people uh, understand
2: um and so how long have you been coaching comedians
1: oh it's coming up on thirty years believe it or not um wow. yeah um but it feels more like twenty nine you know what i mean it's going really fast
2: <laughs> i bet i bet. that's i mean i <laughs> I'm only in my third year and, and third year yeah, I'm right, going, wow, that's, uh, I don't know if I can kill that long. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm already, I'm like 40 in my third year of this. So it's, yeah. it's been an interesting three years. Well, um, that's a
1: good, uh, three years is a good time to really focus your persona or your comedic character.
2: Right, um, right.
1: Believe me, I've had, I've had people that come to me that have been doing stand up for a really long time. And it's like they pull up in front of my house with uh, this trailer with thousands of pieces of furniture and seven truckloads and none of it's in character and then I'm supposed to somehow get all their stuff in character. <laughs> so it's better that you start with this in the second or third year, um, right. which I guess brings up the, one of the premises, uh, which is that uh, I see a huge difference between being a comic and being a comedian. Uh, my definition is that a comic says funny things or makes funny observations, whereas a comedian is a funny person. Simple as that. And when I started coaching, <clears throat> um, I decided I was going to look at every successful comedy performer. And when I say successful, I don't mean a somebody who could do a club and get good laughs for an hour. I mean, somebody who had a great career in television and movies and all that. And it turns out every one of them is a comedian, not a comic. And so uh, maybe I could talk about that difference a little bit to start with. Um, So the reason you don't wanna be a comic and you can tell a comic because You could look at their material, and some of you who are currently performing could look at your own material and ask this question. If I gave this piece of material to the next performer, would they get the same laugh I would get? And if that's true, you could almost write it down on a piece of paper and hand it to the audience. Um, A comedian, on the other hand, is funny because of who they are. Uh, now, both people do, you know, observations and stuff, um, but the comedian does it in character and you're laughing as much at who they are as what they're saying. And this has been true of every successful comedian for the last hundred years. So I don't teach people to be comics. I, I've them to get into their character. I guess uh, this is my book, which you mentioned. Uh, it's called How to Kill in Comedy, and um, <clears throat> it came out in March of this year. Um, the uh, first—it's in three sections. Uh, basically, the first section talks about your comedic character and how you can find it and develop it and grow it. Gives a bunch of exercises for that, and then the whole middle section are 20 comedy formulas that I've developed in the last 20 years in our workshops in Los Angeles. Um, We have the longest-running comedy workshops in Los Angeles. And then the part three is about the business and how you apply everything and how to survive the business and all that. Okay, I'm done talking now for a while.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you're, you're like, kind of actually took some of the questions I already had to go for. So that was yeah, great. All right. Um, so, okay, so um, how actually did you get into this, the idea of helping comedian or comedians become characters? The comedian themselves um
1: yeah well like i said we were used a lot on tv shows to coach the hosts but then also uh when we started our workshops some people got really good right away teaching the comedic character method and and <clears throat> and now we manage about 20 25 uh, uh comedians and actors um because they got good, and they were in our workshops, and then we were like, "Well, you know." And actually, Barb, my partner, does more of than I do. But um, yeah, and uh, if you want to see uh, some of the performers we represent, uh, go to comedynorth.com. And um, my website, by the way, the talks about the teaching and the character and everything is funnycoach.com. Um, and my book, by the way, is available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. Um, uh, so I guess that's how we got into it more and more. <clears throat> and I also noticed over the years that I have this strange facility, which I do in the workshops. And you were in one of my seminars, right? Yes. Yes where I can pick out somebody's character really fast. Um, And the truth is that most people in their first year or two of comedy are not showing their true comedic character. Um, In a lot of ways, your true comedic character uh, is in a lot of ways who you were in the sandbox at six years old in the playground. And, you know, we I always like to say that we have two different people in us. We have the protected person, which is the person we bring to life uh, and jobs and who appears normal and can be trustworthy and strangers can even like this person. But then we have the authentic person who... We hide most of the time. Uh, Everybody has these peculiar parts of their personality, who they were when they were, you know, running around on the slide in the playground. And what happens is we cover that up because if we let that part out, uh, no one's going to hire us and probably people are going to arrest us. Um, Like you, Bo, I don't remember exactly what your character was, but uh, did you find that, uh, as you do it, that you find yourself letting out a part of you that feels more authentic? Uh,
2: my character <laughs> My character is um, that we had worked on and developed, is kind of this... Uh, now I forgot how you explained it. Um, take that computer, that computer nerd who is in a hurry to get things done because the computer's about to die. So it's like that. you're just trying to rush to get that information out at little, like very fast
1: paced. And so your tendency normally would be to hide that from an audience because you don't want to appear weak or you don't want to appear strange in any way. But the truth is, is only when you let that character out, do you have any chance of having the audience really get off on you and get to know who you are? So a lot of things are kind of the opposite of what they seem. Like a lot of people, when they get up on stage, they think they have to be like other comedians they've seen, or they have to be strong, or they have to be intelligent, or they have to show everybody how good they are at putting jokes together. Uh, That is rarely your character. And that makes you a comic when you do that. So learning to bring out your true self, your true behaviors, And then we exaggerate that. And that's how we work on the comedic character. Uh, The whole first third of the book is about how you discover your own comedic character, which, by the way, you already know very well, but you're not necessarily willing to show that to strangers. Are you super nervous? Are you angry? Are you super nice? Are you recessive? Are you bitter? Are you whatever you are? There's this one part of you, and that is the only part of you that the audience is interested in. Everything else is a fraud, and you're not going to get anywhere with it.
2: And, and see, and that's kind of interesting. Like when you um, looking at this persona thing, um, because I, I remember like Lewis Black, and I think you mentioned him uh, in the course that yeah, I yeah, well, took.
1: Lewis was somebody who spent thirty or forty years not bombing, but not doing well either. Um, And we were with him, Barb and I, in Chicago when he actually discovered his comedic character. Um, And what happened is he was, I think, kind of sick one night and he had done a lot of political stuff. And the problem with political stuff is everything that you say, the audience first has to decide if they agree with you or not, and then decide if it's funny. And that's the last place you want to come from as a comedian. So on this particular night, uh, I think George W. Bush was the president. Instead of doing his normal analysis of what was wrong with George W. Bush, he suddenly found himself going, um, and George W., when he talked, it hurts my head. My head hurts. I can't hear. It. My head hurt. And he noticed that everybody in the audience started laughing whether they were Republicans or Democrats or whatever. And that's when he, in fact, as recently as, I don't know, a few years ago, he said, apparently people find me funny when I'm angry. Uh, And yet, if you go back earlier in his life, you'd find out that that's who he was before he covered that up with uh, his politically correct and incorrect and intellectual stuff. And um, nobody can argue with you when you're showing a true part of yourself. And yes, he's exaggerating it. He doesn't really get that upset about the word hydrate on a water bottle. But if you watch him, he'll say, uh, and he always starts calm, you know, he'll be like, yeah, I was noticing on a water bottle it says you should hydrate yourself three times a day. And then he goes, hydrate. That's not a fucking word. And he goes crazy on it. And <clears throat> that's what you look forward to with him.
2: Yeah, I mean, I remember. Uh, somebody like- else
1: uh, that that went for a long time was our friend George Carlin, who we shot a couple of movies with and we hung out with. And um, and he, as great as he was in his early career, uh, this was at the uh, Aspen Comedy Festival. and about 2000, uh, he looked at us, he said, you know what I realize I'm not in my own act. So he was a very successful comic, uh, up until then. But once he got his character, the guy that is too angry about stuff that you're, you're laughing that he's angry about, like, we need to kill women with two last names. You know, you just got to laugh. <laughs> yeah. But once he got that sort of formula about his character, he was then able to come up with like six or eight hours of HBO specials because he got his character's thing. And the character, you got to remember, you're not ever going to really show people your whole self when you're up on stage. We're not interested in about 75% of your personality or your any of your stuff what we're interested in is that one part of you that is uniquely you and for george it was <clears throat> it was that part of him that gets angry at things sometimes small sometimes big but always too angry angry at words angry at you know anything um and uh, a lot of people when they start comedy um they kind of try to play it safe. And well, I'm a little bit like Anthony Jeselnik. I'm a little bit like so-and-so. And until you show us who you really are and exaggerate it, you're you're not wasting your time, but you're not gonna get anywhere. Um, so maybe this would be a good time to talk about comedic character for a minute. So when I studied all these parts, <laughs> all these comedians that have been successful over the last years. I find that every single successful comedy performer has four parts to their comedic character. And that's how I teach comedic character. And part one, um, and you don't have a comedic character without part one. Part one is called flaw F L A W. What is wrong with you? Or what is, too much about you. Uh, You have to have that. Otherwise, you don't have anything generating your comedy. A a lot of people, when they start comedy, they're, well, what should I do? Joke's about my apartment. Should I talk about the elevators? Should I talk about whatever? Uh, They're saying to themselves the wrong thing. It's not what you talk about. It's where you come from. It's what is your main issue? I mean, look at the simplest successful comedians all the way back to, uh, do you remember Rodney Dangerfield? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Okay, there's the simplest comedy character. His flaw is that he's obnoxious. And everything came from that. Okay, so part one is called flaw. Part two is equally important, and it's called the blind spot. Without the blind spot, you also are not going to get laughs. Because, uh, let's take Anthony Jeselnik. His flaw is that he's insulting and insensitive. But his blind spot is that he thinks that he's charming. <clears throat> because if Anthony Jeselnik started every joke with, now, I-, I know I shouldn't have done this, it was really bad and insensitive me, and then tell you what he did, you wouldn't laugh. Because if someone is aware of what's wrong with them, your reaction then is, well, get help or, you know, stop doing the behavior. It's only when we realize that the character has this blind spot that he doesn't understand what he's doing, that Anthony Jeselnik keeps thinking he's telling us stuff that's going to convince us that he's charming or sensitive, and then in the punchline, we hear that he wasn't, you know. um, You know, somebody asked me if I looked fat in these jeans. And, you know, I think I really helped them. I said, you're not going to look fat in those jeans. You look fat in your shirt and your shoes, too. But the idea that he would say, you know, um, uh, I helped him, that's showing his blind spot, that he doesn't understand that he's being rude. Um, Some people get confused when they think of somebody like Jerry Seinfeld, who appears to be doing observational comedy but he's not because everything he talks about and this is his flaw is unimportant nobody gives a shit about anything he's talking about but to him everything he brings up you know like why can't we have early bird specials that are really early like he thinks that's a big deal and so even though he is making observations Um, his character is always there. In fact, I don't know if you knew this, but when he went to NBC with his uh, manager to sell them on his sitcom, he was the first person in the history of Hollywood to get a clearance of one show. They said, because they pitched it as a guy with no life and everything he talks about is unimportant. And... And so they gave them one show (laughs) at that time they were giving 10 or 13 and all that. And obviously, and so that's why until you understand your character as a comedian and throw that out there, I I don't want to say you're wasting your time, but you're wasting your time. (laughs) You might be learning technical things about jokes and that will help you and all that. But until you show us that part of you, that is true, but distorted. Uh, And that's a tricky area because uh, some people think, all I have to do is show them myself. And it isn't just yourself, it's yourself exaggerated. So like when you perform, for example, Bo, um, if you exaggerate that part of you that's darting around, is everything okay, have I got this together? The more you exaggerate that, the funnier you are. Now, you might even exaggerate it to the point that you're not doing that in real life. But that's what a character is on stage. And when I say character, don't get confused between a character and a caricature. Your character is who you really are exaggerated. It's not a... um... And also, you don't have a choice who your comedic character is. It's not like you can pick it out like clothing off of a rack. There's only one zone that you bow are funny in. And that's when your attitude is kind of frenetic and looking around and okay, I'm on top of this, right? I got this, right? Um, So anyway, part one is flaw, part two is blind spot, and blind spot generates part three and part four. Part three is just the word attitude. Um, Let's just go back to the classic uh, uh, Anthony Jesselneck. If if his blind spot is that he thinks he's charming, then his attitude has to be charming. It's like an equation. Like he didn't believe respect, and yet he's not getting it then his attitude has to be frustrated. Now, you laugh, or you used to laugh when he would go, I tell you, I don't get any respect. But that's frustration coming out of him. That's not, you know, if he went, "Ah, I don't get any respect, You wouldn't laugh. Even if he was sad, you wouldn't laugh. If he was like, I tell you, I just can't get any respect. Again, you wouldn't laugh. It's only when you see the frustration that you realize he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand that he's obnoxious. And that frees you, the audience, to simply laugh at them. Just like when, you know, <clears throat> Lewis Black started going, I, my head hurts, that frees you to laugh because it's no longer do I agree with you. You're just hearing the truth through the character. Okay. So that's part three is attitude. Part four is interesting. Usually in the, like in the seminar you did, we probably didn't even get to attitude and and part four, which is agenda. They're all based on the blind spot. So agenda more than anything determines what you're doing in front of that group of strangers. You're not trying to get laughs because of your blind spot. You don't think anything you're saying is funny And that's another thing. If you're laughing at your own jokes, hang it up or stop doing that. Because a comedian that laughs at his own jokes, unless it's your character like Steve Martin was like, uh um, you're not aware that things that you say are funny uh, because you're on your agenda with the audience. Uh, So what does agenda mean? It, It basically means what do you want the audience to say back to you? Uh, what are you trying to convince the audience of? So with the simple comedy characters, it's obvious. Rodney Dangerfield was trying to convince you that he deserves respect. Anthony Jeselnik is trying to convince you that he's charming. Um. um Kevin Hart is trying to convince you that all these things he's talking about are torture for him that he's, he's being put upon by these horrible behaviors. And so really picture in your mind, famous comedians, they are very serious about trying to convince you about something. And you'll notice they're never going to convince you of that. That's why you're laughing. That's why you laugh at them. Uh, Because, They think this is true. Uh, So to give you another view of that, uh, imagine the comedic character in his real life. I don't mean in your real life, but once you kind of have your comedic character, let's take you, Bo. You're someone who's frenetic and going, "Ah, what what am I going to do? And yet your blind spot is you think you've got it under control. Okay so what's your agenda why do you have an agenda well think of it this way the comedic character not you but your comedic character which is kind of an imaginary fictional character at home in real life his partner his wife his friends his relatives are all yelling at him they're all saying things like bo why are you so upset why don't you relax Why don't you calm down? Why don't you mellow out? You're driving us crazy. And you don't like that. So one morning you wake up and you say to yourself, you know what? I think I know what's wrong here. The people in my life, they're prejudiced against me. Yeah. If I could just get up in front of a group of objective strangers When they hear my story, surely they're going to tell me, yes, Bo, you are together. You are not frenetic and crazy. You've got your act together. And of course, every time you do that, they just laugh. So a good comedian never accomplishes their agenda. In other words, Rodney Dangerfield is never going to convince you that he deserves respect. Anthony Jeselnik is never going to convince you that he's charming and sensitive. Kevin Hart is never going to convince you that this stuff he talks about is horrible. And Jerry Seinfeld is never going to convince you that talking about the shape of elevator buttons is really important. (laughs) And that's the comedic character. And it's different on everybody. Just like we have different faces, we have different comedic characters. All right, I'll stop talking now. <laughs> no, you're fine.
2: You're fine. you I mean, you're giving a lot of insight. Um, one of our listeners, Bob, who actually, uh, he's, he's going through the book now. Um, he asks, uh, are you able to help pick out someone's four comedic character parts in finding and identify them? Uh, if so, how do you do this? Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, well, number one, I've been given a facility by who knows who that I can look at a person and have them play around with their attitude, try different emotions. You'll remember in the seminar I had everybody and I tried this emotion on and I tried that emotion on. And once you find the right emotion, attitude for somebody, then it's almost it almost makes everything fall into place. Um, Like, uh, so it isn't like you find one part of you and then now you have to find the other three. It's good to start with the flaw. Uh, And some people uh, mistake that to think the flaw means that I'm a terrible person. The flaw of your character has to do with something you are too much of are you too excitable are you too unexciting are you too whatever and you got to get in touch with that first and i give a bunch of uh you know exercises in the first part of the book to to discover that about yourself what what are and it's very simple (laughs) it's so obvious all you have to do is ask your parents or somebody that's known you for a really long time, what are some behaviors of mine you would change if you could? Would Do you wish I was more this, or do you wish I would be not so much this? And I guarantee you that about eight out of 10 things they tell you are your comedic character. But then just getting the flaws not enough, um, Uh, Like for you, we'll keep using you as an example, Bo, because (laughs) you want to be undressed in front of everybody.
2: (laughs) Um, I'm fine.
1: uh, Your your original flaw is you're a control freak. Yes. You're trying to control everything. You're desperately trying to make things go where you want them to go. (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) That means your blind spot would be the opposite of that. Your blind spot is that you think you're calm and reasonable and logical and that you're doing all this for a very good reason. Your attitude, of course, has to be because otherwise it's not funny. If you talk seriously, um, yeah, I've got things together. People are just going to believe you, but they have to see that you're. Like that. So then it's funny, everything you're saying. And um, uh, so think of it this way once you have your flaw, all you have to do is almost pick the opposite, and that's your blind spot. Your blind spot determines your attitude and your agenda. So that's another thing to remember. I mean, this gets very complicated, but it's all very simple and inside of you. We only see the flaw in your punch lines that's the only time we see the flaw in your punchlines <clears throat> uh all the other parts of stand up a header a lead in a setup all comes from through your blind spot right mm-hmm. um um it's like um, i'm an easygoing guy you know um, uh, I um, I wake up every day, I do the same thing. I, I brush my teeth, I put on my clothes, I check the hostages, I check my aunt's ropes and my grandfather's to make sure. So it's only in the punchlines we hear what's wrong with you. Every other part of your standup has to seem like a normal person coming from your blind spot, you know? Uh, it takes a while to learn it. That's, I mean, I have people that have been in my workshops for like literally 15 years because they're, you're, they're always working on developing their character. And by the way, um, uh, I do have uh, uh, three workshops that are ongoing that you can be anywhere in the country and join. Um, I have a Thursday night workshop, which right now is full. Uh, it's seven o'clock uh, Pacific time and goes for like an hour and a half or two hours. Um, <clears throat> then I that's weekly. Then I have a, a a Wednesday night workshop for those who are less committed, but still want to be able to do it. And that's twice a month. Um, and that's only 98 bucks. Plus you get a show. And then uh, we're trying to start a Tuesday night workshop at Flappers. Um which is supposed to start March 9th, I think. No, March 4th, I'm sorry. Um, uh, If, um, yeah, just if you have any questions about any of that, just email me at steve at funnycoach.com and I can answer any of your questions. Um, Mm -hmm. Steve at funnycoach.com. Again, that (laughs) link is, no. (laughs)
2: Okay. <laughs> well, I actually, I'll, I'll make sure it's posted. Um, Bob actually uh, he had another question of the four elements. Uh, is there one that's um, more important than the other? Or do they all flow together?
1: Uh, you need all of them to make it work. But the most important, something that you do not have a character without is the word flaw. Because then you don't have punchlines if your behavior isn't laughable. Without that, you're just a normal person trying to get laughs of, uh, about other people or other things. Uh, and that is a tendency a tendency we all have when we get up on stage is we want to appear intelligent and reasonable uh, because after all, we're in front of an audience, there are judges out there. Yet the oddity is only when you show us your craziness, what's wrong with you, exaggerated, do we ever reach an audience. Um, so I hope that answers your question, but once you do have a flaw, then you have to figure out your blind spot. And it's different for everybody, but it's usually the opposite of the flaw. Not always. Uh, but, uh, just ask yourself, if this is what's wrong with me, then what is my delusion that I think I am? And that's where you have to perform from. Your attitude, your blind spot, and your agenda comes from not your flaw, but you're trying to prove that you don't have this flaw. Uh, does that answer your question? Or
2: um, I think so, yes. Um, I was actually waiting to see if he had um, posted anything else. Um, one more question from a listener. So, um w- comedians as young comedians as they're starting out often hear that word um finding your voice is this is a care they're asking is a persona or a character the same thing as the voice or are those two different things
1: uh voice is um, two-thirds of the way to a character it's saying what is your personal feelings and beliefs uh in other words don't just be someone watching the world and Saying to an audience, hey, don't you think that's funny and don't you think that's weird, but have a cohesive place that you're coming from. It's almost like a character and it's a step on the way to the character. It's just you can have a voice without having a blind spot or anything else, but it's definitely a step up from being a comic. Um, it's been nice over the last 20 or 30 years <clears throat> to see. That uh, the sort of industry is starting to understand character a little bit. And voice is something that people use as a way of identifying this one performer who seems to be coming from a unique place. And sometimes it's from his character and sometimes it's not, but it's better than just being an observational person. Uh, Voice is on the way to being a character. And you could say that. You know, uh, Anthony Jeseldeck's voice is, uh, you know, someone who kind of shows a charming guy. Uh, But it isn't quite the character, but it's it's a step up. Um, And, you know, look, I've been around for a long time, and there were open mic nights 30 years ago that you would see the same shit. Out of every 10 performers, eight of them would be either doing dirty words or observations. Hey, have you ever noticed the way this happened? Well, how come they don't that? And I'd like to see them, blah, blah, blah. And literally material that you could hand to the next performer and get um, the same laugh with. Uh, I would say over the last 10 years people have made a lot of progress in starting to show their characters. Uh, but you got to go all the way with it. Or it's like either you you do it or you're going to bang your balls on the top of the fence. Just you got to do it enough so that you get over the fence.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember like Dave Chappelle even saying that the person you see on stage is the real me, The person on the street, that's not me. That's but right. That's, that's yeah. who I have to be.
1: That's right. You walk around with like 30 parts of you, the nice person. But there's only one part of you that is your comedic character. Um, um, uh, I do have another seminar coming up uh, to find your comedic character. I think it's just 25 bucks or something at Flappers. And uh, let me look at, see what that date is. It's February... Uh it's uh sat Sunday, whoops. Where the heck is it? It's 20. <laughs> this is the uh seminar that you took. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh well, damn it, I can't find it. Well, I'll find it before we say goodbye. Yeah. I know it's in there somewhere. <laughs> um Uh, i'm embarrassed but i can't remember the date
2: <laughs> don't worry i'll get it i'll find it and i'll post it up there okay with the video
1: that's just a two two hour three hour thing where i find your character and okay. so um uh, and you have to sign up for that at flappers which is uh flappers uh comedy dot uh flappers com slash classes and you'll see the seminar
2: So, okay. So one last thing, um, before we go. So somebody's built this, they've, they've gone through the book They're They've built a character. Um, how long should like, how long, like what is the best effort to give that character, um, timing wise? And if it's not working is, do they need to go back to the drawing board and like, do they need to reevaluate it? Yeah,
1: that's really tricky. I mean, that's one reason I have these workshops. (laughs) Um, Because you can be just 10% off in your attitude or your blind spot, and all of a sudden it doesn't work. It's like I said, consider if, um, uh, let's go back to Rodney Dangerfield again. Supposing, instead of going, you know, I tell you, I don't get any respect. Supposing he was going, you know, I tell you, I really don't get any respect his attitude is off and that's enough to throw everything else off. So I would say, be, be nice to yourself, give it time. But if you honestly throw your flaw out there with a blind spot, you will start getting response. And, uh, you might be a little off at first. Uh, some people are naturally just close to their comedic characters and it takes them a week or two and they're suddenly doing it. They they don't know all the ins and outs of it, but they start getting that reaction back from the audience. Other people who are a little more hidden or covered uh, or copying other comedians they've seen, it takes them a little longer. You know, Some of us are more comfortable being vulnerable and showing what's wrong with us. But think of it this way, there is not one successful comedian who's not showing you what's wrong with him. Just think about that a minute. Every single one of them is showing you what's wrong with him. And it's different for all of them. So that's what you have to do. Um, And it may take some of you uh, a few months of working on it. It may take some of you a day and you go, oh yeah, that's me. I'll do that. Just everybody's different. Um if you already have an act that you're used to doing and you want to start getting your character in it, you have to go slow. I I am sorry, I didn't create the world.
2: <laughs> you know, uh
1: try uh hitting your character towards the beginning because it's confusing if you if you show us your flaw and your blind spot and then go back to your other material, which is observational or doesn't have the same blind spot and flaw. Um, So put that towards the front and then feel that response. Uh, Or, gee, I didn't quite hit that right. Um, But in the end, you know when you're doing you. You know when you're doing the real you. And everything else is just bullshit, frankly. And it's just get to it, do it now or do it later, but you've got to do it if you wanna be successful at stand-up comedy in any way. Now, I'm not saying you couldn't be an observational comic and do an hour in a club and get great laughs. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, if you want a career, if you want to have things like movies and TV shows and things that, because people understand your character, then that's what you have to do. And even stand-up-wise, you're going to be more successful if you have a character than if you're just throwing jokes out at everybody.
2: Right. I, I mean, I think someone like Tim Allen is a great great example of that. Sure. He, he took that men as pig thing, that grunting thing, all about tools and cars on stage, and then developed it into a TV show and it was that exact same character.
1: Well, that's um, why so many comedians have gotten sitcoms because... They come pre-packaged with a comedic character. The writer knows what the theme is, uh, you know. Uh, and it's not just for stand-up. Um, think of like Sheldon on The Big Bang Theory. He, being funny, also has all four parts of his comedic character: his flaws that he's a nerd, his blind spot is that he thinks he's cool. <laughs> you don't have a comedy entity without flaw and blind spot and attitude and agenda.
2: So is your um Mike Marr asks, so is your character, your brand? Sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's an obnoxious word that people have come up with uh, (laughs) that's based on business stuff, but yeah, of course. I mean, you could say that, um, Kevin Hart's brand is the guy who's upset by everything. A brand is just a way of trying to, um, compress what somebody is in one sentence. And it, uh, yeah, brand voice. It's, it's all pretty much the same thing.
2: Oh, and Michelle says the, uh, the next, um, one day class is Saturday, February 27th at 12, oh, 12 p.m. Pacific. So uh, 12
1: to 3 p.m. And when is it the
2: 27th? 27th. So in a couple <laughs> okay, of weeks. Okay.
1: Yeah. That's a one day <laughs> find your comedic character. We met a couple hours um, seminar. Yeah.
2: All right. So one last question from Bob, which was Would watching a video of someone set help with finding the character?
1: Yeah. That's a good question. Uh, Some people get more confused looking at other characters. But if you look at other comedians and realize, oh, so her flaw is this, her blind spot is this, and his flaw is this, his blind spot is that, then you'll start realizing that uh, the comedic character expresses itself differently in everybody. Um, If you're somebody who is like, ooh, I don't know if I can do this. And and when I watch people really kill, it, it upsets me and makes me insecure, then maybe you're better off just focusing on your own flawed blind spot and not watching other people. You don't have to watch other people because the formula is different. The equation is different with every comedian. Um, <clears throat> you might find that the comedians that you like or love, have connections to your own comedic character. Um, uh, if you're somebody who tends to uh, uh, be a little rough edged, let's say in real life, then Bill Burr might a, uh, uh, might have, you know, uh, you might be attracted to him or, um, but you don't have the same character. You just maybe have a similar attitude or something. Um, it's really a very personal thing, and it's, <clears throat> you know, comedy is not competitive. Uh, that's the hardest thing to learn, um, because uh, nobody is the same character. Um, that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> that's in part <laughs> three of the book.
2: Oh yeah, thank you. well, um, well, thank you so much, Steve. Um, sure. Looks like we have a we have. A, one of the interesting things with, with hot breath is we have one, uh, our normal group, but we also have a pro group, which is the, the group that's actually watching, watching us right now. And it looks like a lot of people would love to get you um, to maybe come in and maybe we can get a workshop going. Um, there's a lot of people interested in, in developing a character. Okay. I'll do that. Is there any, any last things you want to uh, promote? Well, tell us about don't forget my book. It's available.
1: <laughs> <laughs> on Amazon. And if you order today, you'll get a uh, a handsome 8 by 10 of me taking a nap.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, so no. uh, so uh, all of our listeners, um, if you're interested in the book, um, Amazon.com. It's How to Kill in Comedy by Steve North. Um, and the website again was...
1: Okay, my website is funnycoach.com. My email is steve at funnycoach.com.
2: Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. Well,
0: thanks for having me. There you have it, Hot Brethren and Sisteren. If this was your first time listening, welcome to the Hot Breathiverse. We have over 400 episodes for you to dive into and learn all about the craft of comedy. We're all about comics, helping comics here as well. So we have a free comedy writing Facebook group. If you want to join Bo and other members of Hot Breath Pro, We do have comedy masterclasses where all graduates get access to that Hot Breath Pro community. But we're so excited to have you, whether this is your first time listening or 400th plus time listening. We are the Hot Breathiverse. And until next Monday, right here on Hot Breath.